Welcome to the NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson. Thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. Supplement company MegaFood is celebrating its 50th anniversary, and among the long list of accomplishments, the B Corp is now plastic neutral certified by Repurpose Global. Here to share more on what this means, I'm joined by Stacia Betley, the Director of Sustainability and Social Impact at MegaFood, and Svanika Balasubramanian, Repurpose's CEO and co founder. Hi, Stacia and Svanika, and welcome to the NutraCast. Hi. Yeah, excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. So we'll start with you, Svanika. Uh, tell us what is Repurpose Global and what does it mean to be plastic neutral certified? Yeah, happy to. So Repurpose Global is the world's leading plastic action platform designed to provide a sort of accessibility point for conscious brands out there to measure the plastic footprint, reduce and redesign internally within supply chains where possible, and then invest in end of life and upstream innovations across the world to remove plastic waste from the environment that otherwise would have stayed there in our landfills, in our oceans for decades to come. So we operate about 30 or so projects all over South America, Africa, Asia, building uh, door-to-door waste collection services, as well as other sort of recovery functions to really bring waste management to life as a premier line of defense against ocean plastic leakage. Wow. Okay. I'm just thinking about, you know, you're mentioning all the different places you're working at, and there's so much different infrastructure and, you know, very so much country to country. How difficult and challenging was that for you to institute this sort of thing in so many different places? You know, that's a brilliant question because that really touches on the genesis of Repurpose as a whole. When we first got started, this was actually, I came into this space, I studied economics, knew nothing about waste management or plastic recovery at all, but we came into it because we were investigating the idea of the global trash economy and how the way waste management works in the global north, say here in the United States or the United Kingdom or Canada, is so different from the global south. But even within that, rural areas, coastlines, um, you know, urban, urban areas, they're all so very different. When we started doing our research back in college on this, I ended up writing my thesis on this. There was a very significant gap for, you know, just uh, some sort of standardization in this space so that everybody's able to, you know, think about it using the same language. Otherwise, it's really sort of like comparing apples to oranges when you're comparing the waste management infrastructure in urban Ghana versus rural India. And and so a lot of the work, the early work that we did, we spent almost two and a half years, actually, before we ever launched a single product or launched a single project uh, at Repurpose, really just figuring out how do we standardize the work that we do in these many different regions. But it all comes down, I think, uh, to a very simple word that is at the core of what we do, which I call additionality, which is impact bang for buck, right? Impact ROI. So what we do is go into local regions, figure out what are the current baselines in this 
particular location and then pull from sort of our templates, you know, 10 or 20 sort of types of supply chains that we could be building over here and figure out which one, which of those different solutions actually maximizes additionality in this particular location and then fund that sort of project. So to give you a very quick example, India and Indonesia, the the recovery rate of, you know, high value PT is almost 70%. So it wouldn't make sense to build a PT recycling facility over there. But in Kana, that rate is 5%, 3 to 5%. So it does make sense to start with a PT recycling facility there. So I think it's a combination of one common language, but interpreted in, in a few different ways on the ground, depending on local baselines. Thanks for breaking that down. So what steps do you have to take to become plastic neutral certified? It's four very simple, straightforward steps. We start with measuring the plastic footprint of a company. So this involves looking at their primary packaging, um, you know, what is in the product itself, as well as secondary. So this is sort of the downstream distribution level plastic that is getting out into the hands of the consumer. And once we know what the plastic footprint is, where the leakage areas are, and then how it differs by skew and and so on, step number two is seeing if we can set some very solid reduction commitments and then thinking about what, what can be done within the supply chain itself. And then here we are also happy to compare with other industry averages and then see if the company that we're working with has some easy wins as well as, you know, some short-term, medium-term goals that can be set as well. And then step number three is recovery. And then so this is where uh, the company funds the removal of as much plastic waste from the environment through one of these different projects that we operate on the ground as they put out into the world, as they put out as per their measurement um, in in step one. And then this is all plastic that otherwise would have sat there in landfills, in nature, leaked out into oceans and in devastated ecosystems. And and so it's really 100% additional. And then finally, step number four is figuring out how this can be used to also then educate and engage consumers um, and then change behavioral trends um, as well so that we're involving multiple different stakeholders on this journey along with the brand uh, including employees as well as consumers retailers investors and others that they might be speaking with oh so just really getting everybody involved that's the only way to do it <laughs> mm-hmm. so Stacia let's toss this to you. What did this mean for Mega Food? What changes did you have to make and how much plastic waste are you removing? Yeah, thanks for the question and thanks so much for having me here. I'm thrilled to be with you both. I'll give just a little bit of background for those of you who don't know who Mega Food is. So we craft nutrient-rich planet-first vitamins and supplements made with real food, driven by our belief that food grown from healthy soil is the solution to making people and the planet healthier. We work with farmers who share our commitment to soil health and nutrient-dense food. We're B Corp certified, underscoring our commitment to high social and environmental performance. And that includes our packaging. So we're working to transform our own packaging, but packaging is so complex and we know this will take time. So that's why we're so excited to be announcing this partnership with Repurpose Global. Through this partnership, we'll enable the removal of 450,000 pounds of nature-bound plastic in 2023 alone. So right now, there haven't been any immediate changes, but we're taking 
packaging seriously and coming up with a plan to move towards more sustainable materials. So within our partnerships, Monica talked about the fact that we have to calculate our plastic footprint across our entire supply chain. So we look at every single piece of plastic that's associated with our product and report on that quarterly. So that ensures that the plastic that's being collected in our projects in India and Indonesia equates to the same amount of plastic megafood is putting into this world. We'll also be prioritizing the use of post-consumer recycled materials, materials that can be curbside recycled, along with using the how to recycle label to clearly communicate recycling instructions. And so you mentioned your supply chain how did your partners in the supply chain play into all this? I imagine they had to somehow get involved as well. Yeah, so it is an all hands-on approach. So when we look upstream, we're engaging with our commands to gather this information for our plastic footprint. And then when we look downstream, we're looking at the shrink wrap, the bubble wrap, the tape that's involved, um, making sure that that's all measured, but also engaging with material recovery facilities to test the recyclability of our packaging. Okay. And so I know that Megafood has put together a cross-functional packaging committee. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So we've put together this team to assess and develop more sustainable packaging solutions. So that includes stakeholders from operations, sourcing, quality, sustainability, marketing. It includes almost every aspect of our organization because packaging touches everyone. So we're coming together to look at solutions and figure out how we're all going to get there. Okay. Uh, Svanika, what are some sustainability trends that you're seeing among CPG brands? I definitely think it's it's a wonderful time to be in the sustainability services sector overall because there's a huge momentum in, in wanting to do the right thing um, across the board. I think, you know, we talk about plastic a lot as a plastic company ourselves, but I think it's true of, you know, regenerative agriculture, of, of you know, fair trade and supply chains really across the board. Uh, actually, uh, Stacia, yesterday I was at the Pet Sustainability Coalition's Impact Unleashed Conference, and then they brought up Megafood as a great example of a brand that had been very holistically conscious in a talk by Tina Owens on regenerative agriculture. So I, I do think, I think, you know, uh, CPG brands in general have woken up to this necessity that being sustainable is not different from just doing business, because historically it was always thought of as as a cost item, where if you were to go the extra mile and then invest in all of these additional programs and impact, uh, you know, uh, initiatives and, and whatnot, it sat on the balance sheet as very much a cost item. And then there was a lot of, I think, inertia towards it because it didn't necessarily align with the bottom line. And I think in the last half decade or so, that's definitely changed. And I would say that's potentially because of two reasons. One, 100% the consumer momentum that we're seeing, um, where people are really voting with their dollars. And then there's a clear case to be made where sustainable brands and brands that are seen as being sustainable grow faster, have, I think, three times more brand loyalty um, and repeat purchases from consumers, definitely are chosen more on the on the product aisle compared to competitors. So I do think that sort of uh, trend on the consumer 
shopping side has now translated into business decisions for CPGs themselves as well. I think the second reason is I also do think there's been sort of this uh, really amazing employee and internal team awakening where we see this day in and day out where a lot of the brands that we work with and Repurpose works with close to 300 brands now, a lot of that initial intent comes from employees waking up and saying, wow, we really need, you know, we work at this company and we want to make this a better place. We want to leave a better footprint on the planet. And I think uh, that is, is also something really amazing for us to see. Yeah, you mentioned cost. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's your elevator pitch? You know, when someone says, well, I, I could just do this myself. Why should a company hire you? Because CPG brands fundamentally were not meant to, I think, do waste management or do waste recovery or even, you know, beyond that, think about the science behind waste reduction and upstream and everything. And and so uh, I do think uh, working with someone like Repurpose, but really any any sort of agency out there that is able to bridge that gap between the intent, between the ambition that CPG brands have and the actual action on the ground always is, is much more beneficial beneficial. And the example that I like to give for this is in the last few years, there was a study that came out recently that 95%, and that's a shocking number, 95% of sustainability commitments made by brands in the last few years will not be met by 2025. And that's because oftentimes a lot of these things, you know, there is real intent, there's some real sort of motivation on the brand side. But it is really complex. It's really sort of complicated to execute these things on the ground. And, and so I think Repurpose exists to bridge that gap between that intent and actual action on the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely that sincere intent, I think, but it probably is a full-time job for someone to go yeah. in and execute this, right? More than more than a full time job. So if we're if we're really looking at, I think, especially like waste management on the ground, these things take a long, long time. The repurpose, um, we have about thirty different locations, and it's taken us about three, four years to set this up. But that's also because it's involved over one thousand people that we've been able to mobilize, and and this means public private partnerships, mobilizing governments and local municipalities, figuring out laws in different regions, figuring out the right sort of science and in working with the academic community. So it is a lot of work that that goes into it, into mobilizing these few thousand people to get going on the ground. So let me ask you this, when you, you know, working on this project in college, did you know what you were getting yourself into? I really did not. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it would be a one-year sort of stint. So I, I had actually deferred my, I was supposed to go do investment banking in New York, which is completely different from what I do right now. But I, I'd gotten that offer. I deferred it by one year and I figured, you know, okay, here's a one year, 365 days that I just get to do something potentially fun, potentially that no one's looked at before. But once we got on the ground um, and my co- founders and I had this tiny little flat outside Asia's largest landfill in the outskirts of Mumbai. And we would just spend our days going into this landfill and then watching these 
towers of waste, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet up into the air, just pure garbage. Um, and then it's sort of like melding into the skyline of the city. And we were meeting all of these people. And then one thing that we always talk about when talking about the plastic crisis, the environmental crisis, is the resultant humanitarian catastrophe that has been sort of developing over the last few years, where tens of millions of people work in an extremely informal, exploited sort of waste management sector on the sidelines, oftentimes controlled by organized crime. And then so we were meeting these uh, young children as young as four years, five years old, who would be working inside that landfill, addicted to drugs and alcohol at that young an age, because, you know, that's just what the culture was. That's what everyone did. And it was really the only way to sort of, you know, get through the day and and handle all of that rotting garbage. And then so it just became one of those things where we got pulled into that. We got pulled into it. um, And then once we saw that reality on the ground, it just did not make sense um, to sort of leave it at that. So definitely didn't didn't think that we would be getting into it. But I think once once we were there and once we'd spent all of that time creating those relationships and, and um, seeing the reality, going back to New York, going back to sort of the old life, um, I think it just wasn't in the cards for us. Mm-hmm. And so Stacia, what are some of Megafood's other sustainability goals. Do you have anything else coming up or any goals in mind right now? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to share those. I'd also love just to piggyback onto something Svanika said. So when you asked her about why a company should hire them, I think it's important to recognize. So for those who haven't heard her TED Talk, it's called The Power of Imperfect Progress. And I think that's a perfect title because sometimes I struggle with being okay with stepping stones. But we often have to recognize that there is no one silver bullet solution. We have to work collectively and transparently towards doing better because we have a world to save. And I think Mm -hmm. also when we talk about people, when we talk about plastic, the people part gets left out. And so the global south's not only most impacted by climate change, but they're also dealing with our plastic waste, either being washed up onto shores or internationally delivered in hopes of being recycled. And so with our partnership with Repurpose, this really helps us bridge that gap. Whereas when we're working on our own plastic footprint, we don't have that ability to impact the lives of, of people. So now going more into some of those sustainability goals, I also think that a great point was brought up. Goals are so important. They're our North Star, but it's also really important that we're being transparent and that we're asking companies, you know, what they're doing and how they're getting there. So we're taking a holistic approach to sustainability at Megafood, trying to transform our footprint in the way that we source, make, and deliver our products to how we amplify our impact through advocacy, transparency, embedding diversity into everything we do. So from a sourcing perspective, we're working to embed more regenerative, organic, and fair trade ingredients. We have a goal to manufacture 100% renewable energy and get zero waste certified by 2030. So those are some more operational focus goals. And we also are working on a science-based target right now. So that will give us our 2030 climate goal. And on the delivery standpoint, we want to have 100% of our packaging be recyclable, reusable, or compostable by 2030, and also looking at refillable options. So there's a lot of work to do on that transparency piece. You ask about, you know, what's next and We'll be coming out with our first impact report in the next month or so. So that's our way of sharing where we've been, where we're headed, and asking everyone to join us on the journey. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, where you've been, looking back, you know, the past 50 years that Megafood has existed, 
when did social impact and sustainability first become a priority? I imagine your role didn't exist, you know, 50 years ago. No, it did not. So about 2004, 2005, we initiated testing for 125 plus herbicides and pesticides. So we started to put a stake in the ground. 2017, the social impact team was formed. In 2018, we got B Corp certified. So B Corp certification is a designation that a business is meeting high standards of verified performance, accountability, and transparency on factors from employee benefits and charitable giving to supply chain practices and input materials. So we've done a lot of work to get where we are today and recognize we have a lot of work ahead of us as well. And we're just getting started. Okay. And before I let you go, Stacia, you were in D.C. not long ago for the Farm Bill. How did those talks go? Were there any big takeaways or things that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So Mega Food Source is a lot of organic ingredients. So I was there advocating for organic in the upcoming Farm Bill on behalf of the Organic Trade Association. So meeting with senators and representatives from New Hampshire and Vermont, it was a really great time to be able to collaborate with other brands and farmers in the area. It's interesting you bring this up, though, because the first day of conferences was dedicated to discussing the challenges of plastic. We were focused on the chemical additives, which negatively impact people and planet, Mm -hmm. which directly relates to organic, because that's the idea of growing without the use of toxic pesticides, synthetic fertilizers, because of that same impact. So it's interesting to see how all of these challenges are starting to dovetail into one another and see what solutions are going to work for different problems. Yeah, yeah. And when should we expect to see that report that you mentioned? Yeah, so we're hoping to finalize the report at the end of June, so it will be coming out early July. And again, that's our transparent way of sharing everything that we've been doing and inviting everyone along for the journey. And Svanika, is there anything that you want to tell us about before we let you go? Anything that we should be on the lookout for or anything that maybe you're excited about? Uh, a lot of things. Um, I think it's a really exciting time uh, in, in this space in general, but very top of mind for me. I just got here from Paris. I was in Paris for the last 10 days um, for the second negotiating committee of the UN Global Plastic Treaty. Um, and then so there's going to be five negotiating committees in total, bringing together all of the governments all across the world. Um, and, and at the end of it, we're going to have one unified plastics treaty. And you can think about it similar to the Paris Accords for Climate or the Kyoto Protocol, things that really kickstarted the climate movement at a really global level. And I'm very much excited to get this going for plastic as well, because a lot of the activities that are now being done um, in a a voluntary way that are being done by conscious brands such as Megafood, you know, in a couple of years down the line, we're going to be seeing um, some of that come into regulation as well, because some of that come into policy as well and have a a unified global commitment towards reducing plastic pollution across the world. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And Svanika, before we hit record, I was talking with you a little bit about some other projects that Megafood is working on. What are those? So two of our largest projects um, that are ocean bound is being supported uh, by Megafood, as well as a new one coming up in, in India that is completely um, women led. And, and so there are three 
total projects that Megafood um, is uh, supporting at the moment, two in India, one in Indonesia. The one in Indonesia is called Project Lothyang Tenang, um, named after sort of uh, the, the local seas um, over there. What is happening over here is really where we find micro-entrepreneurs and people who were previously in the informal, unregulated waste management sector um, and bring them into the fold um, and then give them their own setups, give them their own entrepreneurial opportunities to go out and collect um, hard to recycle materials such as multi-laminar plastic waste or polypropylene, thermoform PP and and so on, remove that from the environment and then, you know, get it upcycled into other products um, and then send it to a ethical and destination. A project Harakal, which is uh, one of the ocean-bound uh, projects based in India, um, is bringing door-to-door waste management to over 100,000 people as a dignified human right for the very first time. And, and so this is keeping plastic that otherwise would have leaked into the Indian Ocean um, or would have been incinerated away and also creating actually over 100 new jobs for people who had, again, previously been in the informal sector. So these are some of our favorite projects out there. And I think it really echoes both Repurpose and Megafood's commitment to impact and intersectional impact, really, um, touching on what Stacia mentioned earlier as well, that it's really imperative that as we think about the environmental crisis, we also do think about how it is affecting communities and societies around the world. I am just blown away by all the good work you guys are doing. Megafood Stacia Bentley, Director of Sustainability and Repurposes, Svanika Bala Subramanian. Thank you both so much for all the work you're doing and joining me here on the NutriCast. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you, everyone. If you like what you just heard, you can subscribe to the NutriCast wherever you get your podcast. You can also head to NutriIngredients-USA.com for even more Nutri-related content. Thank you for listening. I'm Danielle Masterson. As always, I'll catch you here on the NutriCast next week.